Welcome back. You're watching Stockwatch with me, Juliette Tlevi, and joining me to take your stock-related questions this evening are Chris Reddy from All Weather Capital and Rikas Riedis of PSG Wealth Reimsuch. If you'd like to send questions to us, please SMS 41392, email stockwatch at bdtv.co.za or tweet us at businessdaytv using the hashtag Stockwatch. Chris, uh, Rikas, good evening to you both. Chris, if I may start with you, it wasn't a great close on the all of overall index today. We closed down about a fifth of a percent, but it actually felt like not a bad day in the sense that the volumes were quite brisk and the RAND also did very well. Um, do you get the sense that maybe there's some foreign buying coming back to the South African market where it seemed to evaporate almost entirely last week? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good summary. We have been seeing quite a bit of foreign flow coming into our markets. Uh, a bit of a mixed bag this, uh, this morning, just given how weak Hong Kong opened. But part of that was a catch-up trade because they were closed with the typhoon yesterday. So. Obviously, the weakness in um, the China tech shares would have weighed on NASPERS and Process, but it was positive to see uh, some some good buying in our in our uh, insurance companies and some of the uh, precious metals as well. So mainly in in gold and PGMs that supported our market. I mean, the retailers had a bit of a tough day. I think it could just be some profit taking, uh, given some of the trading updates that we expected to come out tomorrow from Pick and Pay, and then we've got Mr. Price on Friday. Okay, well, we'll get to those in a minute. Um, Rick, uh, as Chris said, there was a bit of a recovery in some of the uh, metals shares. Yesterday, the platinum shares got whacked, I suppose, unsurprisingly, on Amplatz's results. Uh, do you think maybe yeah. people kind of evaluating it overnight, thinking maybe this is a decent level to buy? We had a long discussion last night about whether one should be more circumspect uh, than we have been uh, about the recovery in some of the, the metals players, be they uh, PGMs or diversified miners. What are your thoughts there? I think there's, there's two scenarios here. The diversified miners, even today, <coughs> excuse me, didn't do very well, and that's on the back of China. You know, if China's not uh, using commodities, that's not going to help. Precious metals, another story. Both Amplats and Implats are up, despite the results from Amplats, yes, they are up about 10% from their lows. Things like Sabania um, up about 15%, Northern as well. So I think a lot of the bad news are, is probably in those prices, specifically if you take a look at how, at what the Amplats price did on what really was a not very good set of uh, you know, what a visible update. Yeah. So, yeah. so in that sense, um, I think we've probably seen some kind of bottom forming in platinum. And um, really, what's what has to happen as far as that group of metals is concerned is that the Russians have got to stop selling their rhodium and palladium to to uh, you know fund their war. Mm. So. Once we get that um, out of the way, I think we're probably at a sort of a bottom-forming place as far as platinum is concerned. Gold, one reason only, and that is the weakness in the dollar, mm. which has taken over the past two weeks quite a smack. Chris, just your thoughts very quickly on the PGM players. There seems to be you know, a divergence of views, and I don't want to belabor it because we did speak about it on the show, but last night. Um, are you nervous or are you tempted? I think given given the share price moves that we've seen uh, yesterday, I mean, it is tempting to look at some of the some of the PGM plays here. 
Uh, I think you just got to be selective, though, in terms of which one you choose. Because, I mean, some of the some of the companies do have clear catalysts or opportunities to actually return some decent value to shareholders. I mean, we were expecting to see some announcement regarding Northams and Impala, regarding that offer that's out there. Uh, but, I mean, for, for, for some of the guys, they, they can actually return a decent return to shareholders. Uh, but if, if Northerns were to potentially sell, there are be pledge shares to Impala as part of the share swap, as an example. They'll be released with that funding. They can dig here, maybe up to dividends to shareholders. I think, but more importantly, uh, just given the negative macro data that we're seeing out of China, there are some concerns in terms of just what's the demand picture looking like um, for some of the metals. I mean, the one thing that we're also watching quite closely is there's quite a significant short in the palladium market. You know, so that is potentially creating an op- could potentially potentially create an opportunity uh, from a from a short squeeze perspective. So that is something I've been monitoring. Uh, not the case in, in the platinum side. Okay. In other words, um, a bit of a rebound in the palladium price, given the shorts in the. It's given. It's given the positioning of um, yeah, speculators, hedge funds in in that in that spot market. Yeah. Okay. What about Arsenal Mattel? Before I get to questions, I mean, Arsenal Mattel had an absolutely horrific day, down forty three percent by the close. Um, Rick is uh, care about the trading update. Excuse me, I've got to sneeze. Um, Okay, the sneeze moment has passed, thank goodness. Um, but the Arsenal um, Mattel essentially said that uh, just how bad conditions were took them by surprise and they couldn't adjust accordingly. Uh, and I saw some, some cynics out there on Twitter saying, well, you know, everyone was crowing about this being an exceptionally low PE stock, but this is what can happen is where these low PE stocks can go to negative values uh, when the earnings don't come through at all. Um, I mean, do you think the, the share price fall was justified today? I don't know. Um, I've I've been of the of the opinion. I think last time we spoke about Arsenal Metal, a number of months ago, <clears throat> I said even if um, the price on a valuation basis is low and it recovers, in the end you're still sitting with Arsenal Metal. Apart from its own operational inefficiencies, um, it's what can happen if everything goes wrong. Not only for Arsenal, but but any type of commodity or commodity-related shares. So it's to be expected. But be that as it may, they they really had stormy weather on all fronts over the past year. Mm. And I have to say, Arsenal Mattel South Africa is the one company where everything does seem to go wrong a lot of the time. Um, if I've been looking at Arsenal Mattel over the last 21 years, um, I mean, I think the last good time might have been 15 years ago. Uh, Chris, you know, they'd have maybe a quarter or two where they did okay, and then things would kind of collapse in a heap for them. Um, do you think this, this is the beginning of, of uh, a lot more selling for the share? Look, we definitely saw volume into the trading update, which is quite a big disappointment. I think, Juliet, as Lucas was saying, this is... Unfortunately, the, the challenge when it comes to many of the the small caps that have got very tight margins and have got um, structural challenges with regards to this demand for the end product. I mean, if you look at the trading update from Oslo, they were saying that they saw soft demand across all the users of the end product. And then they saw higher cost inflation coming through and then obviously the impact of uh, load shading as well. So they couldn't pass any of the I'm assuming they couldn't pass any of the, of the inflation onto the onto the end user given the lack of demands. From a balance sheet perspective, though, I mean, it's important also to note that they've got, there's a significant shareholder loan to the Arsenal parents. There isn't a lot of 
third-party debt, but we don't know if they, if they have taken on debt in this period because they do make a comment about working capital release not happening in this in, in this period. Yeah. So maybe they could have taken on third-party debt. Uh, so that is something to to just watch closely when they do report their results. But but unfortunately, when you've got tough, when you've got small margins, I mean, they, you don't need too much things to too many things to go wrong uh, for you to have a problem in the share. Yeah, I mean, it is a, a pretty awful um, day for, especially for those who have who have maybe thought that Arsenal Mattel was, you know, on a on a better wicket of late, and you could see that in the share price performance of the last two years. Uh, what about Steinhoff? Oh, sorry, yeah, Chris. So it's, it's it's a problem. It's a, it's a problem with extrapolate recent set of earnings in some of the in some of these shares. I mean, especially when it comes to the cyclical 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 names, it's tough to say on a one year forward PE that it potentially screens cheap when you don't know if that earnings is actually going to be there in a year's time, you know? Yeah, I, I, yeah. I do feel like ArcelorMittal, um, for all the wrong reasons, uh, should serve as a cautionary tale to investors. Uh, then what about um, Steinhoff? Steinhoff, on the other hand, had a bizarrely good day. Um, uh, you know, the, the few cents that remain to be traded. Um, the viewer says, can your panel please explain the 200% jump Steinhoff had today? Some 18 million shares were traded. Who is buying? Does a single day buying relate to Steinhoff's AGM next week? Uh, Rickus? Don't know. Don't care. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I would just pretend to care good, for goodness good sake. Answer. <laughs> really, no. <laughs> I do kind of um, wonder why there is interest in Steinhoff. I mean, really, isn't aren't you trading around sort of one or two cents? Is, is you know who is doing the trading? I, I find it. I am slightly fascinated by who is doing the trading. So I care a little bit more than you do, Rickers. <laughs> well, the only reason. Uh, well, if 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 I receive a client with, with Steinhoff, I take the opportunity to use whatever loss he's got or she's got, because invariably they will and offset that against any capital gains uh, almost immediately because one of these days, possibly, we're not going to be able to sell it because the share will be suspended. Yeah. Uh, Chris, I mean, do you, do you look at this with a slightly uh, fascinated eye or an entirely jaundiced eye? I think this is one of the, the beauties of the market. I mean, things happen that you can't actually explain for a company that doesn't have any equity to be up 150%. Maybe maybe guys are looking at the meme stock move in the US and thinking that they could just ramp one more time before the AGM year and pick up a few more pennies in front of the train. I don't know. Yes, okay, because that train is coming, unfortunately. Um, exactly. Just, uh, just a quick uh, question from me before the break and before we get to other questions that viewers have sent through. Um, there was a comment, um, Rick, because I'm not, uh, uh, actually, sorry, not sure if it was you or Chris talking about uh, the, the dollar. Um, and I was reading an FT article suggesting that there's a certain dollar bearishness, which, um, which you, I guess you could see reflected in what happened to the RAND today. Do you think maybe we are on... A slightly different move now uh, that the the era of the the strong dollar might be behind us um which hopefully uh, uh, would be good for south africa um if not necessary for some of the commodity players and some of the rand hedges yeah it's it's multifaceted i mean i think a lot of the dollar movement at the moment is an anticipation of what the fed's going to do or at least what message they're going to give us next next week um, we saw that with um, um, data coming through today as far as um, consumer prices. What was it? Um, I've forgotten what it was. But, but yeah, uh, 
The last couple of major data releases are pointing to a slowdown in the rate of inflation increase, and that obviously will lead to um, a perception that the dollar should be going weaker. Um, I think with world trade being under pressure, and specifically because of China, that doesn't bode well for for other currencies um, apart from the dollar. So I, I wouldn't necessarily say the dollar party is over. We, we still are far too mired in um, a global economic growth slowdown, even though the Americans are looking a little bit better than they mm. were a month, two months ago, you know, where everybody was is now talking about soft landing, possibly no landing yeah. whatsoever. But but in the in the medium term, I can't really see um, continued dollar weakness. The dollar strength that you've seen over the last few months might be abating somewhat, but Rickus was saying that uh, he can't really see other um, currencies, uh, particularly emerging market currencies, you know, galloping uh, uh, stronger, given the softness in the global economy and particularly in the Chinese economy. Um, do you pay much attention to this? I mean, are you using the slightly stronger rand that we're seeing now to take money offshore, for example? Or are you just um, noting this and, and carrying on as, as usual? We're obviously watching quite closely. We do think that at the 18 rand level, the rand does seem to be sold off over here. Uh, if you look at it on a trade-weighted basis, uh, I think I think part of the challenge with the rand obviously has been a, a political uh, premium that investors have placed on it as well, just given some of the events with Russia and China that have occurred. Some question marks in terms of just the outlook for resources, given how 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 focused our trade is, or exposed our trade is on the resources side. Uh, but definitely, we'll take some respite with this rand uh, pulling back to below the 18 rand level. Mm -hmm. I mean, as Rick has mentioned as well, I mean, that the dollar has, has come off quite a bit, given the CPI print last week that came in at about 3% level, slightly below analyst expectations. So I think many are expecting the Fed to be nearing the end of this rates, rates hiking cycle. The question though remains in terms of when do they actually start tapering. Um, the market, I think, is a bit more optimistic in terms of these rate cuts. Uh, if you see some of the other managers like... Uh, uh, Bridgewater, for example, they still think that the U.S. could potentially keep rates um, at these levels for longer, yeah. and they're not really at the end of inflation. I mean, remember, it's also important to note that on the U.S. CPI print, it was also cycling the high number from last year. So obviously, with the base effect, it optically seems as if CPI is rolling off here. Mm. So it'll be important to see the next couple of prints. Because mm. a viewer actually says, I'm confused by signals from uh, the USA recently. One day, uh, they're inflationly lowering signals given CPI data. The next day, overheating in the economy data. These seem conflicting or contradictory, or am I justified in just not understanding the messages? I mean, does anyone understand the messages? Rickers, do you? I think it's leads and lags. Um, Again, take a look at today's data. It was retail sales, by the way. Came in softer than expected, but if you take a look at the core, the, um, the core number, that was actually double expectation. So there's no um, sign of the US consumer being unduly under pressure at the moment, despite um, headlines saying that they are. Um, <laughs> not to say that they won't be in future, but for the moment. Um, that still looks healthy. So, so even if you then, so if you take a look at the at the newspaper headline, it says, "Oh, signs of slowing." You really have to 
to dig a little bit deeper to to um, to really form a total picture. So I would agree that we're probably near. You know, we are closer to the end of your of your rate hiking cycle. But as to whether it's going to be a, a sudden turnaround, not so sure about that. So I, I lean towards a little bit higher for longer. Mm. I mean, Chris, or do you have a sense? Maybe there's a actually. It's a Goldilocks sense. In other words, the economy isn't overheating uh, to the extent that, uh, you know, if you're starting to get lower CPI numbers, but it's certainly not falling off a cliff. Con uh, consumers seem to be quite resilient. They're going out spending. They're still buying houses. They don't seem to have been completely crushed by the increase in interest rates. So it's kind of you've got the best of all possible worlds. Um, or do you sympathize yeah, with this person who, like most of us, is trying to uh, um, pick his way through the confusion? I think, I think it's a fair comment. I mean, if you look at the most recent U.S. banks numbers that came out, so JP Morgan reported on Friday and uh, Bank of America came out today, on the, um, on the retail books, it doesn't seem as if the credit, uh, credit costs are blowing out. They all are still increasing the provisioning because they do think that going forward, they like to see a bit of a rise in bad debts, but none are saying that you're going to get blowout bad debts from here. So they're expecting the conditions to to weaken slightly, but nothing from mm -hmm. a like that, that speaks to like a heavy recession out of the U.S. The one thing to note though is that with this uh, with the weaker dollar, when they import these goods, that will have an impact as well on inflation going forward from these levels. But um, I, I mean, all indications are it does seem as if it's more of a soft-ish type of landing than the hard landing that many had expected, given the, the significant uh, increase in interest rates. Yeah. I think also when you're looking at US markets as well, I mean, you've got to separate this Magnificent Seven from the rest <laughs> of the NASDAQ and, and actually S&P as well, because it's basically just been these seven shares that have driven that market up. Everything else has been more or less single digit type of returns in the year, you know? Mm. Well, I suppose as long as they're positive, you know, that's not, that's not to be sniffed at either. Um, uh, lower your expectations, uh, Chris. Um, there's a question on transaction capital. Uh, and the viewer says, if all insider buying transactions are taken from the 15th of March 2023 uh, to date, after the initial crash, and the value-based average purchase price is calculated as 12 Rand 47 a share, is transaction capital at the current price of 5 Rand 90 a good entry point? Uh, Rickus, would that be some sort of logical maths there? Well, the insiders think they're just... Technically, I can see a rebound to seven rand, but that doesn't put it out of the um, out of the woods yet. Um, again, we are sitting in a broader market where things where where companies that are doing well are trading at ridiculous valuations. Why go and buy something that's um, having operational difficulty just because you think they are? Um, going to get better at the operations going forward that mm. it you know it, it deals with too much uncertainty for me to consider going into it right now mm. and we talk about ridiculous valuations you're talking about the south african uh, situation where they're ridiculously low valuations for companies that yes, are still doing yeah, okay yeah. um chris do you do you agree with with rickers's assessment or would you be prepared to take a bit of risk on a turnaround story I think it's tough calling it in transaction capital because the share has actually been all over the place of late. I mean, it's touched low for low five rands and it's been all the way up above seven rand here. Um, 
I think it's more a question to ask some of the key shareholders in transaction capital because there's one or two that have got high teens positions. If you do get some trimming down from those investors, it's going to be it's going to put pressure on the share here. And I think we've discussed this last week as well in terms of just getting an update around what's happening with the balance sheet and the ability to refinance the upcoming maturities, which will be important for for transaction capital. But I think at these levels, it's it's probably not attaching any value to SA taxi here. So from that perspective, you can say if you're taking a long term view, it could be a buy. But it's tough to it's 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 more you, you gotta know what the larger shareholders are doing in the share because that amount of supply will be a problem for the share. And I think that's part of the reason why we're seeing this thing see the share uh, being all over the place at the moment. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Tough call. As Rika says, maybe the the easier call is just to avoid it entirely uh, and buy cheap uh, companies that aren't um, under the same amount of stress. Uh, there's a question on Ultron, mm. um, and the viewer says, "What's the analyst's fundamental, operational, and also leadership views on the above company from a charting perspective?" I'm looking to accumulate um, from about six rand fifty or four rand to six rand fifty. Um, Rickus, I suppose um, you have a certain uh, technical analysis bent, uh, so I don't know if you would agree with that, but uh, looking at it uh, operationally and also given its leadership, what do you think of Ultron? Well, it was completely wrong on Ultron because <laughs> even from a technical perspective, I think I'm more about two rand higher from where it is right now. Last list of results wasn't all that great, all the usual suspects. In other words, their customers are under pressure um, general economic pressure. I think uh, Mr. Kopp has taken over um, is a um, is a good successor to Niyati, and I think as long as the strategy that Niyati started with, um, as a more customer focus, getting rid of the extraneous businesses, I still think it's in a it's in a very good position as a as a services company towards. The rest of the South African economy. I mean, they've they've got a big footprint. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you need better economic conditions for, um, for that kind of company to actually do well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, on a historic, you know, on a historic price index of about twenty-five, it's obviously not cheap. But um, I think longer term, it should do well. But it is under pressure, as is a lot of its, you know. Um, as, as I said, as, as, as a lot of local companies. Yeah. Yeah. Chris, your thoughts on Altron? Would you look at it? No, no, nothing further to add to what Rickus has already said. Okay. And the irony, of course, is that one of the strategies of Tetonyati was to uh, unbundle Bytes, and Bytes has had an astonishing year uh, on the JC, so you'd far rather have been in Bytes than Ultron itself. Um, okay, well, then I'm going to get to your stock picks. Uh, and Chris, if I can stick with you, what uh, are you looking at at the moment? My stock pick is Attack, the property company that's got uh, exposure into Waterfall. Part of the reasons for this is they've recently announced a deal with the Government Employees Pension Fund where they're selling 30% of the Waterfall entity to the GEPF. Uh, the benefits of this transaction is that it will help them de-gear the balance sheet. As you know, with the REITs, um, LTVs are super important. Uh, so Attack's LTV will drop from about 38% to 26%. With the better balance sheet, they'll be able to refinance the upcoming debt at better interest rates that will help them from an earnings perspective. And if you just look at the valuation, I mean, the, the actual NAV for attack is about 17 Rand, shares trading at 8 Rand 50 odd. So you're getting it almost at a 50% discount to NAV 
And if if the most recent transaction is anything to go by, the GPF is buying the waterfall assets at a 15% discount. So the significant margin of safety in attack at these levels. So we think that the, that the NAV or 17 is actually quite close to where the true value of the business is at. Mm. Um, and operationally as well, if you look at just the trading out of the Mall of Africa and some of the larger malls, uh, we're seeing a good turnaround in or good trading densities coming through. So operationally, they're performing <laughs> quite well. The point Rikos was making is that if you're choosing some of the small caps, um, if operationally they're performing well and the balance sheet's not a problem, then time is in your favor yeah. to wait until this value unlock happens, opposed to the challenge balance sheet's one. So that's our pick. Yeah, okay. Well, let's hope that uh, unlock does happen. Uh, Rikos, uh, so what, what are you looking at? Same as I picked in February, after which the price declined about behind 20-25%. It's back to where it was in February. <laughs> it's the biggest biggest oil services and drilling company in the world. It's called Schlumberger, so they don't pump the world. They do the work for oil companies. Um, apart from my view that um, energy prices specifically, well, probably at a low point at the moment, and we should see an increase in the medium term. Schlumberger has also changed or are busy changing its um, earnings profile using the cash flow it gets from its traditional oil businesses and moving that into alternative energy, whether it be storage or the capture of methane um, okay. or whatever. So they're well positioned to do that at, at scale as they have a huge cash flow, large company. So um, they've got a foot in both worlds, you know, yeah. traditional energy and new energy. Okay, great. Well, thanks for your considered uh, picks this evening. Nice to chat to you both. Uh, Chris Reddy is from All Weather Capital. Rikus uh, Redis is from PSG Ramesuch. And up next, the close with Bloomberg. Do stay with us.